0: Before we begin our Torah study, we like to pray together, and before we pray together, I like to take a sip of water. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Last week, we rolled back the Torah to the beginning, and we started at the beginning with the reading of uh, Barashit, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and beyond. And we, in that Torah portion, were reading about God's creative power. Part of the readings for last week was a Torah portion from the prophet Isaiah, And I want to read to you just a few verses from Isaiah 42, starting in verse 5. It says, this is what God the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath or spirit to the people on it, spirit to those who walk in it. This is what he says, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord. I have called you. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, Now I declare new things before they sprout, I proclaim them to you. That is a wonderful scripture in Isaiah chapter 42 that speaks about God as creator, but also God as a fulfiller. God who brings to pass that which he sets out to do. And that is a preface for This morning's study as we're looking at the passage about Noah, who's famous, everybody knows Noah, Noah and the Ark. In fact, Noah and his Ark are so famous that people are tired about hearing it. I couldn't help but remember an experience from my childhood growing up in a conservative, not a messianic uh, synagogue, also named Beth Israel but in Roanoke, Virginia, where I grew up. And I remember a a meeting that we had with uh, parents and the young people about our um, children's program and teenage program that was on Saturdays, because um, it was on Sundays, rather. That's when we came for special classes, like a Shabbat school, but it was on Sunday. On Saturday, we had uh, Shabbat services that were either uh, for all generations or special for the young people. But on Sunday, we had special classes for uh, just the the kids and teenagers from kindergarten up to uh, senior high. And I remember this meeting, and, and a young man, a teenager, who got up and spoke with vehemence, and I was recalling his name this morning. I I don't know why, and and I thought about him. I haven't thought about this for decades, but his name was Cliff Weckstein. I remember that. He grew up to become uh, an attorney, a well-respected attorney in, in our hometown, and then a judge. And during this meeting about you know, our Sunday classes for kids, very typical for a conservative Jewish synagogue uh, program during that time. He got up and said, all we ever hear about are the top 10 Bible stories like Noah's Ark. And he was proposing that there needed to be something fresh. And I couldn't help but think about Cliff He probably long forgot about that moment, but I haven't, I don't know why. And this morning, when I was drinking a cup of coffee, I was remembering him and that that thought, and then I forgot all about it. Does that ever happen to you? you? You have a memory that you haven't had for ages, and then you forget it. And then right at this moment, I remembered it again. I thought, that's weird. I think I'll speak about it. I'll say something. So Cliff said, we're tired of just hearing the same old things. And I thought, there's some truth to that. It's important for us not to listen to just the same old things. But there are two sides to it. One side is what we are presented with, and the other side is how we receive things. And so it's important for us, when we're reading the Scriptures again, and again, and again, and they don't really change. Have you noticed that? They remain the same. We can read them with fresh insight and understanding if we bring that ourselves to the moment. We can connect to what we already know and what we don't yet know. We can connect to, as the prophet Isaiah says, the former things, but also the things that are to come. And that's on us. It's not just on those who speak to us or teach us. It has to do with how we approach the scriptures. And we need to be alert enough ourselves as disciples of the Lord to bring our best to our studies, to our worship. I was thinking about Eric Painter today, not feeling so good. Have you noticed how his uh, bass range comes out when he's not feeling so good? It's harder to hit the higher notes, maybe. Uh, But very nice bass voice you have. Sometimes we come without all of our strength, but the strength we do have, we bring to the Lord, and we bring to our ministry, and we serve with gladness with what we do have. But also we we know something that it does take effort to be prepared. It does take practice to be prepared. It takes consistency, not just good luck, not just hoping things are going to go well. Somebody once said that good luck usually has the smell of perspiration behind it. Hard work is often associated with what other people might just think happened. In fact, it's important for us when we gather together to bring ourselves in a condition as best we can that is full, full of the Spirit, full of good intention, full of love, full of um, willingness. And then to say to the Lord, give me more so that I'm overflowing. Give me more so that I can give to others and living waters can flow out from me. That's the whole idea of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we can be full of the Spirit of God, not just for ourselves, but overflowing so that we can give to others too. So that is a preamble to what I wanna speak about as we're looking at Noah today. And we're looking about some lessons that we can learn about our life and the times and the seasons of our life and how God works in our life, and in the world, how he has worked, how he does work, and how he will work, so that we can be really well-prepared and not bored for what's ahead. There are exciting things that God wants to do, and the life of Noah tells us about that. God is a creator. And that is why the Torah begins with the statement, in the beginning God created. Barashit bara Elohim et ha et And it uses this Hebrew word bara, which means to create out of nothing. God is a creator. He speaks and things come to pass. He is able to create. He is able to build. And, He's also able to rebuild. He calls you and me to join him in the creative process. To be created in the image of God, which the scripture says we are, means that we have some responsibility and some ability to dedicate our creative strengths and talents and efforts for good. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. But later, when we read about Yeshua returning to heaven, we learn that it is the intention of God that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh and blood as the prophet Joel had said, but it couldn't be accomplished until Yeshua had fulfilled what was necessary to be our kinsman redeemer and then return to heaven. And then he said, I will send the Holy Spirit and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God not only moves upon the waters, he moves upon you, he moves upon me, and he moves upon us so that we create and we bring order out of chaos, and we learn to separate what is undifferentiated. Let me explain that. The darkness and light were commingled. They had to be separated into light and darkness, into day and into night. The waters and the earth were Commingled. they needed to be separated so that there would be dry land and there would be the waters. And there are times when that's what we're called to do, to bring distinctiveness and uniqueness by separating out that which is all mixed together. This week's Torah portion is called Pashat Noach. It tells us that God himself creates and he recreates, he starts and he restarts. You might be in the creative process yourself right now, or you might be in a startup phase, or you might be restarting or having to contemplate starting up again or starting in a very different way. And I wanna encourage you that it's okay to be in any one of those phases. You may be in all of them all at once. And that's okay. I want to encourage you during such time, stay close to the Lord. And don't just make your plans independent of God. Learn to plan in the Spirit. And I'm going to try to explain a little bit of what that means. Because some people who hear that come from a... um, from one or two perspectives that I want to speak to. Some come from a, a charismatic perspective The thing's planning in the spirit is making no plans and just waiting for uh, something to happen. So it's not planning. And I, I'm not talking about that. And other people... It's, it's, it's not a spiritual thing, it's just a, a personality thing. They're against planning. And they think if it's not spontaneous, it's not good. They think if it's planned, it's not good. And to both groups of people, those who have like a super spiritual idea about a substitute for planning and those who are just by their personality and temperament and experience are against planning, What I'm about to say is not in support of your perspective. So don't go home and say, well, the rabbi said don't plan. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm saying something else. Don't just plan yourself. Learn to plan in the spirit and plan with the spirit. Open yourself up to receive plans that are from the Lord. Sometimes we come up with the plans and then we go to the Lord when the plans aren't working so well and we say that famous prayer, help. And it's okay to ask for help at all times, but there's another way and that's where we seek the Lord about his plans first. And there are times When God has a plan and he wants us to join him, he wants us to say amen to him. And that's what happened with Noah. God had a plan. And he shared it with Noah. And Noah spent the rest of his life moving forward in this plan And a lot of the plan that God had was based on things that had not ever happened. But God was saying to Noah, this is what I'm going to do and why I'm going to do it, and it's going to take a long time to get ready. And I want you to anticipate what I'm about to do so that when I do my part you will already be ready. The life of Noah teaches us that God can be moving deliberately, but slowly. How many of you have discovered that? Not through floods and things like that, but you've discovered that God moves slowly many times. Almost no one's raising their hand, yeah. Because it's like, uh, we're going slow, yeah. Sometimes I know you think this is like a trick question. If If I agree with you, Rabbi, and indicate, then what? And so you're like, you're playing it smart and safe. But let's be honest with ourselves. Isn't it true that there are times when we are asking God to do things now And he's saying, yes to the thing, but no to the now. It's like he takes our now, he strikes the last letter. Takes the W right out of it. He's like, wrong about now. It's a no for now. I remember when our kids were young, especially our son, he would ask for... Something and I would say, let me think about that. And he would say, I want to know now. And so I would say, well, if you have to know now, the answer is no. And he, he learned to wait because he was hoping that if it's no right now, maybe later it would be yes. And we've talked about this in other ways where we're afraid or reluctant to pray because we have a sense of how God is going to answer us already. Before we speak, he knows. And sometimes before we speak, we know. And don't raise your hand or anything like this because I can see you're reluctant today. I'll raise my hands. Have I ever prayed or thought about praying, and then didn't want to pray because I thought I knew what the answer was going to be and it was not what I wanted. Yes, I have. And I know there's some of you who are saying, and he calls himself a rabbi and he's like that? Yeah, that's the way we are. That's the way humans are. That's the way people are. We're all like this. Sometimes we don't want to verbalize our prayers. We don't want to express them because we already have a sense from the Lord that his answer is firmly settled and it's not what we're asking for. And then instead of faith, you know what we're doing? We're just fetching. We're whining with God. Please, I want, oh, give me, give me. Say yes, Lord. And sometimes even we turn into brats in our prayer life. Spoiled, rotten. And I know this doesn't happen to you, but it may happen to someone you're sitting there. So Noah learned that God can move very slowly but very deliberately, and that he in fact has plans that can take centuries to unfold or to be accomplished. We live in an era when fast is considered good, except fast food. You know, by definition, you know. But we often expect anything that should be to happen quickly. But our life is meant to fit into God's plans and that is what we can be certain about. You can't be certain about everything in your life, but you can be certain about this. God has plans. Plans about you. Plans about this world. Plans about humanity plans for the Jewish people, plans for the nations of the world. He has plans. And I want to give you some scriptures. And I'll go too fast for you to get everything out of these scriptures, but I have six scriptures I want to share with you that give you some certainty The first two are from Ephesians. And they confirm this certainty that God has planned good works for you to do from the foundation of the earth. Ephesians chapter one, verse four says, he chose us in Messiah before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So you can be certain about this. What does God have in mind for you? To be holy and blameless in his sight. That's his plan. When did he decide that? Last week? No. He decided that before the foundations of the world. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Messiah Yeshua to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so all of you who are spiritually and by temperament against planning, I want you to take notice of this. God prepared in advance. What's a synonym for that? He planned. He planned. God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's handiwork. So if you're sitting next to someone who you'd like, smile at him and say, you're God's handiwork. Created in Messiah Yeshua to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now let me add something to this if I can. There are some good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do, and there's some good works that will present themselves as opportunities that you can act on all by yourself during that time of opportunity. Some will be spontaneous or unplanned. Some will be at your initiative, and they will be good. And I encourage you to do those. And some are of this category, what God has prepared in advance for you to do. And there may be some of those, like for Noah, where, where you discover sort of who you are and what you're all about, and you could say, I was made for this. You know, this is, this is, this is me. Now I want to share a few more scriptures that say this, that God has planned a good future for you and wants you to be convinced of that. And the future and the plans that he has may be bigger and better than you think. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So again, for those of you who are inclined against planning, but you're made in the image of God, take notice of this. The Lord says, I know the plans I have. So God plans. Plans for good and not for disaster. Sometimes people fall in love with their plans, but they haven't even given thought to what the outcome will be. But the Lord has. And he says, my plans are are for good, not for disaster. And they will give you a future and a hope. And then the psalmist captured this, Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. God has done many things and great wonders. He's a planner. And then First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'm covering all of this so that you see that I'm not cherry picking. I didn't find just one verse and I'm trying to argue for that. I'm trying to present to you something that reflects the character of God and the way that God works so that you can line your thinking process and your emotions, your will, and your attitudes up with the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, And no one's heart has imagined all the things that God has planned and prepared for those who love him. Good plans. Even if you put all of your imaginative and creative efforts into thinking about it, you will not grasp it all because there's yet more that God has planned. And then the last scripture in this series of six has to do with God's timetable. Because God's plans work on a timetable that is different from ours. And that's why we need to keep our hearts open to him. And some things will be more slow than we think or take longer or multiple generations, and other things will be sudden when we're expecting them to be slow. But we need to keep our hearts open. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. The Lord has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, and yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He makes everything beautiful in its time. There's a little bit of humor in that. Everything will be beautiful in its time. You know what that means? Some things are ugly right now. In its time, it will be beautiful. And he set eternity in the human heart. That is like a spiritual uh, true north for our spiritual compass. Eternity lines us up with what God wants to do forever and gives us a different frame, a different measure, and a different approach so that we don't only think about what appears to be possible or probable or likely, but we allow the greatest things that God has in mind to actually touch our hearts and our minds, our thinking and our efforts, so that whether they seem probable or not, or likely or not, if they seem true, we say yes. Justice is an example. Are you aware that the justice in this world is flawed? It's true. Regarding sickness, are you aware of that? That that our human physical condition is still broken. And that's why we need healing. But in the meantime, we yearn for what will happen in eternity. New bodies, new creations, a life without physical pain and suffering. Who's yearning for that? And we pray for it now because eternity's in our heart. But we know we won't get all of it now because it's eternity that's in our heart. Sometimes we need to focus on what's immediately in front of us. And sometimes we need to look to the horizon, to the distance. And there are times when we need to look, if you will, over the horizon, to the unseen and the never seen and the not yet. And we need to free ourselves from the restrictions and limitations of our routine timeframes and remember that the faithful ones are like trees. And think about mighty trees. They grow slowly and endure storms and droughts, and they become tall and majestic over many years. Trees are not a quick work. And no wonder that the one who trusts in the Lord is compared to a tree that's planted by the water. Not a weed. Not grass. In a way, our life is like grass because we grow. We grow. Die, we're gone. But those who trust in the Lord are like trees. Psalm 1, verse one through three says, how blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the Torah, the instruction of the Lord. And in his instruction, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. So the same wind works differently with the righteous and the wicked. The wind of God blows on those who love him and trust him, and it powers us. The Spirit of God breathes upon us, fills us. The Ruach of God, HaRuach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit creates and initiates and strengthens and emboldens us. But the same wind of God blows on those who oppose him, and it reduces them. It strips them, it brings them to an end. Jeremiah 17, verses seven through eight. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water. And take note of this, that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. So the one who trusts in the Lord will not be afraid. It'll be like a tree that has green leaves. Even in a drought, it will be fruitful. Not afraid and not anxious. And why? Because of the secret, the hidden strength that comes from having roots that extend to the stream. And where are the roots? They're underground. They're hidden. And what's their secret? When the roots are strong and they extend and they find that water, then they're not dependent on just the rain that falls, but they have a steady source nearby. And it's a great picture for us. And so we can take encouragement from this. Extend your roots down. Find the water. There's strength in that. Don't just depend on the rain. Put your roots down. Get established in God. Take the time. Take the years. Take the decades to become solid. I like the Greek proverb that says, a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. When when people put effort into the blessings that will be enjoyed by subsequent generations, then the society becomes strong. And I like the attitude attributed to Abraham Lincoln. He said, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. I know that some of you here today and some who listen by podcast are moving forward into new things and I want you to take heart from the life of Noah and because of the character of God and the nature of God. But think about Noah. Not just the ark, not just that, but think about the many things that he was in his lifetime. He fulfilled many roles. He had many jobs and careers if you will. You may only think of Noah, according to Noah and the ark and some childhood ditty or some top 10 Bible story like Cliff mentioned so many years ago. Noah was much more than that. He was a man. He was a husband. He was a son-in-law. He was a father. He was a grandfather. He was a man of God. He was a preacher. He was an innovator. He anticipated new situations. He developed unprecedented solutions. It had not rained up to that point. You know, something dynamic changed in the uh, the nature of Earth itself, and where water would, like through the dew and through subterranean watering, uh, that's how water was distributed, but the Lord said it's going to rain. It's going to rain. What's rain? Well, I want you to dedicate your life to the fact, Noah, that it is going to rain, and it's going to flood. No way, it hasn't ever before. You see, Noah, the water is going to fall from the sky, and it's going to keep falling. the Lord was sharing with Noah the Lord's plans that were over the horizon. You see what I mean? They were not yet. They were not tied to what had happened. They were different from what had happened. And that's the nature of faith. Faith Can connect to eternity and connect to God and can connect to what isn't but what will be. Noah was also a conservator. He conserved and preserved, he made a refuge. He was a project manager, he was a zookeeper. An architect, a shipbuilder, a sailor, go Navy. He was a farmer. What's the tune for farmers? We, Brian's got it. Yeah, Brian and Eric have got it. Yeah. If you watch TV, you'll learn farmers. He was a vineyard master, he was a winemaker. I want to encourage you, stay close to the Lord. And that way you can make sure that the wind of God, the Spirit of God will be blowing on you with his blessings, moving on you, empowering you, giving you creativity, giving you initiative, giving you the power of God himself. And in that way, you can become the many things that God has a mind for you to be. Not just what you were, And not just what makes sense at this moment based on your past, but what you can be based on what God is doing and will do. It requires that we connect to the former things and the things that are not yet. And remember this, the plans of God are good. Can you say that with me? The plans of God are good. Two truths. Some things will happen quickly. And some things won't. Enjoy them both. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of heaven and earth You are the God of eternity. You are the God of now and yesterday and tomorrow. And you call things that are not as though they were and all of your words are true and not one of them will return to you unfulfilled. Lord, we want to say yes to you. We want to pray not my will be done, but your will be done on earth, in my life, through me, with me, for your good in the way, Lord, that honors you and pleases you. And Lord, we thank you for Noah who stayed steady and endured through centuries, through transitions and change that no one could have anticipated and that he did not plan for, but he said yes to because you showed him what was to come. And let it be, Lord, that regarding the good news and the good plans that you have, that you speak them into our hearts and we say yes to you. And that we rejoice during times of creating, during times of building, and during times of rebuilding. That we rejoice when we can start a new thing and we rejoice when we can restart. Thank you, Lord, that you watch over the times and seasons. Watch over us, Lord, in all of our times and all of our seasons, that we can be patient and we can be ready in season and out of season, filled with hope, guided by faith to serve you and to do good works that you prepared for us from the very foundations of the world. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. So we're going to close with Aaron's blessing. And would you please rise? And for those on live stream, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream on Facebook or on YouTube is a blessing to you, if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast is a blessing to you? And for those of you here in the sanctuary, if our sanctuary services and all of the ministries here at the synagogue are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. shalom. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, amen.